So hello, everybody. My name is Eric Mercier. I'm co-owner of Juice Imports. Uh, today, I'm going to walk you through the uh, premium edition of our Natural Wine Club. Uh, this is the May edition. Are we in May? I think we're in May. It's uh, May. And today, yeah, it's May. Uh, and today, uh, via Zoom, actually, uh, since with 48 hours notice, we were told that our office was no longer going to be uh, in the building that it's currently in. Uh, we, we didn't have a space to actually do, you know, a proper interview. So we're, we're doing it via Zoom for the first time for, uh, you know, for, for tasting purposes. Uh, and we have an old friend of mine, uh, a friend uh, from back in my, my WSET days uh, when, when we did school-related things together and, and drank wine together. Yeah. Uh, we have Kevin with us. Uh, Kevin, maybe you can introduce yourself and let us know what you do now and, and your sort of wine story, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hi, everyone. My name is Kevin Shoroff. As uh, Eric alluded to, we were uh, doing our diploma together. So he and I were two, uh, two of about the 24 people in the diploma program a couple years ago. Uh, we finished in 2017. So we both uh, had the diploma for just over four years now, which is actually kind of crazy that it was that long ago. And uh, I currently am employed at uh, Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer at the Crowfoot location as one of the sommelier coordinators and uh, one of five of us. And uh, yeah, I mean, busy in the retail world right now with uh, restaurants again shut down during this lovely pandemic we're having. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of uh... me. We've had one of your co-workers on the uh, podcast before, uh, Mr. Eric Southward. So it's, uh, yep. I think, again, like knowing our customer base, being super natural wine focused and, and being mostly a bunch of weirdos like us, um, mm -hmm. I don't think they would necessarily right off the bat think like, oh, natural wine I or like cool wine in general, like I should go mm -hmm. to co-op. But Again, as we've discussed with Eric before, like your selection is wild and you can get your hands on, on anything that anybody else can, essentially. Um, yep. So yeah, it's definitely worth going and uh, popping in and saying hi to Kevin, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of like the, the natural wine products that we do bring in, there's not like a monstrous amount that we have in location at most of our stores. Uh, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna come into one of the tasting centers, so we have five main locations where the there is a sommelier working so shaughnessy oak ridge midtown where eric works and uh eric southward my colleague not eric mercier hosting me um and uh bennington and then i'm at crowfoot so the five of us tend to have uh a little bit better selection of like the natural wines because it's stuff that we geek out about uh and in our locker program we definitely use a, a, a fair amount of uh juice imports products so yeah, they, they're, they're in there basically every wine order, so. Yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's been cool that you guys have had a little more autonomy over the last little bit um, mm -hmm. and more freedom to be like, hey, my customers want this. Can I yep. sell it to them uh, <laughs> and make you yeah. guys money? Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's always nice when it works that way. Yeah, no, That's exactly, awesome. exactly. And it, it is nice to see, even even though co-op is very, like, quote unquote traditional winemaking wine in the stores you know the lots of sulfites lots of manipulation like that's most of the market that we have right but we still do have the clientele coming in being like hey what do you have that's a little bit more unique a little bit more interesting a little bit less toyed around with 
So yeah. a little more hands-off. It's, there's, there's definitely, especially this year, I've really noticed a really big shift towards low intervention questions uh, with just random people coming into the store. Uh, definitely much more so than most of last year. There's, there's kind of a shift in the consciousness of what people are looking for when they're drinking. So mm-hmm. definitely. Um, cool. Well, we'll get into the first wine now. I'll give a yeah. quick description and then we'll, we'll chat about it a little bit. Um, this is from Kamara State, which is in Thessaloniki in Greece. Uh, this is the first time we've ever included a Greek wine in any of our wine clubs, including the regular wine club. Um, and uh, I've been dying to share this wine with people. Uh, ultimately, the first time that I had these wines, uh, I met Demetrius, the uh, winery owner slash winemaker slash viticulturist slash he literally does everything. He's the jack of all trades. He even helps harvest the pine sap for the Retsina. Uh, he, he does it all. Um, cool. I met him in Montreal uh, at the Raw Wine Fair. And basically he had reached out to me on Instagram being like, hey, uh, are you going to Raw? If you are, you should come by and meet me. I really like your portfolio. Um, I think we can maybe work together. And honestly, we get like a hundred emails a week from wineries around the world being like, hey, will you import our wine? And we say no to more than 99% of those producers. So when he reached out again, I just thought like, okay, whatever. If I have time, I'll pop by and say hi. Um, I'd heard that his wines were really good. And I was like, okay, screw it, whatever, I'll, I'll go in. And I went and I tasted the wines first with his son actually. And I was like, these are astonishingly good. They were actually the best wines that I tasted at Raw. Uh, and that includes like all the big names like Grabner and like, you know, all the, the, you know, kind of showy Instagram natural wines. Uh, I was like, these are legitimately the most unique, uh, most delicious and, and sort of like flavors that aren't represented in the wine world that often, but are good. Uh, I think there's lots of flavors that aren't represented in the wine world that are maybe like yeah, they maybe shouldn't be represented in the wine world versus these wines. When I tasted every single one of them, I was like, this is unique and delicious. Uh, and so I was really, really excited. And so I sent him a message being like, hey, I just tasted with your, with your, uh, with your son. Um, wines are really good. I'll reach out to you about pricing. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, you have to come back right now. I want to meet you in person. Let's hang out. And uh, anyways, I ended up chatting with him in person and, and we got along really well. And even to this day, Mark is like, uh, my business partner, when he um, submits like uh, the POs, like all the ba- uh, the back end sort of stuff, he's like, Demetrius is legitimately the nicest person I've ever met. Like he's such a joy to work with and you can really feel that in his wines. Um, so this wine is made from two different grape varieties. It's 80% Malaglutia, which is a grape variety that almost went extinct until uh, basically 20 years ago, the University of Thessaloniki um, started bringing it back to life uh, and advocating for its extremely high quality. Uh, it's very similar to, to Viognier, yet it has acidity, which is fantastic. Um, and then the other component of this wine is uh, Blanc de Noir Gino uh, Mavro, which is uh, a red, really dark red grape variety, but they've decided not to use the skins and just use the juice. So it has a lot of freshness, again, brightness, all those sort of things. Um, I guess like first question for you is yeah. uh, do you drink a lot of Greek wine? <laughs> <laughs> um, the last time I had a Greek wine, man, m- probably would have been in the diploma in the class. Like honestly, oh so, prob- yeah. so probably like five, six years ago now, like it's been, it's been a while for sure. 
Definitely. So, I mean, yeah, because when we were finishing up the the Still Wines of the World unit, I mean, that would have been late 2016. So, yeah, so probably about five years ago, honestly. Wow. Four and a half years ago. Like, I don't drink a lot of Greek wine. Um, huge Italian wine guy. That's kind of my jam. Mm-hmm. That's what I it's what I drink the most of, I would say. Um, obviously, there's like there's not really a lot of crossover in terms of style or grape varietal, but like just that old world lot of volcanic soil in both places so you do get that really kind of like funky burnt minerality in a lot of the wines which is fun but totally. yeah i mean i it's been a while since i've had a greek wine so cool hey that's uh that's like a real honor to get to uh get to share one with you then i feel like that's yeah. one of my favorite things is, is sort of either introducing or reintroducing people to to great varieties and wine styles that they maybe haven't experienced before um Malaguzia, obviously super aromatic eh like yeah. wildly like super mandarin orange to me right now it's like mandarin yep. orange and jasmine like it's it's okay yeah, yeah. see for me the, the first couple things that were really jumping out were like uh asian pear or like golden yeah. apple like that kind of thing and then rainier cherries oh yeah yeah wow, like that's a good note rainier cherry was like the first Holy. thing that I really smelled yeah it just reminds me of that. like springtime or like whenever they come into harvest, like it's usually, I guess, close to the fall, but it's still kind of summer and like rainier cherries are my absolute favorite because they're so fresh and they're not crazy heavy and dense. They're just really vibrant yeah. and light. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's got this really cool combination of being super floral, super fruity, but also very mineral. Um, also yeah. like really this kind of like subtle, like stony, salty characteristic that I really appreciate. Um, and again, the acidity is, is fresh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it's, uh, and I'm guessing based on the color of the wine, like it's got this nice golden amber hue, like there's gotta be a, a level of skin contact with the, with the Malaguzia, right? It's like the tiniest little bit. It's only a couple days. Um, from my understanding, it's getting most of that color actually from the Blanc de Noir, um, Zeno Mavro. Uh, okay interesting interesting yeah it's it, like that blonde like Zeno Mavro it's just got so much color in the skin that it's still gonna bleed almost like that coppery color yeah uh, okay this, yeah that's actually the perfect yeah. way to describe it copper totally and so this definitely has like a little hint of that color which is pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah um, it's uh it's pretty killer yeah what so again this being such a an interesting wine from like a flavor perspective and a structural perspective in all honesty being 13 percent mm-hmm. alcohol uh having lots of textural elements but still being fresh uh what would be your go-to for you know food pairing for something like this uh well actually my wife and i are ordering pad thai <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like, nice. yeah so i think i think that would be pretty killer i mean any any kind of like white fish salt cod would be delicious with this too Ooh. uh yeah. like, barbecue season right just throw throw a little bit of lemon and, and some herbs on it and then throw it on the barbecue for a few minutes just to cook it through and this would be killer with that this is actually like starting to smell like fruit loops to me i don't know if that's like uh, <laughs> i always fruit get this, like, really like that really sort of interesting uh like candied lime quality um, okay yeah yeah, yeah i mean i can i can definitely yeah. see that no, I don't know if this is true, but I heard a rumor about Fruit Loops like a year or two ago that they're actually all the same flavor. Mm-hmm. 
every every color that is all too. the same flavor and it's just like your brain tricks you into thinking that the green ones taste like lime and the red ones taste like strawberries and it's yeah. like it's it's total well yeah it just messes with your mind because it's like the color of the fruit loop is what's th- making you taste different things even though they all have the same flavor we should definitely do that as a blind tasting <laughs> like yes. it's like blindfolded you don't know which one's which and you have to try and guess each flavor i feel like that'd be real fun <laughs> that would be crazy that would actually be so crazy <laughs> yeah man this wine i'm like i'm crazy impressed with this guy so yeah really cool stuff um again for for anybody listening who wants to try other wines from this producer if, you, if you've tried this wine you, you want to try other things um for me like the standout wine is uh is the Sirtico. um again a great variety that i just really adore uh he does one called nimbus albus um so basically like white clouds and it is uh we've used it in the other wine club it was uh again it's just like such a standout to me we finally have the new vintage on its way hopefully very soon here um but he also does some really cool retsina and for those of you who haven't had retsina before retsina is this old school style of greek wine um where uh basically the wine is infused with pine resin and over the last, you know, 100 years or so, it's become uh, worse and worse quality as a general statement, uh, and the production <laughs> methods have gone downhill. So often now they're extracting the pine resin by chopping down the trees and then chemically processing them in order to extract this pine resin versus uh, the way that he's doing it is basically uh, harvesting pine resin the same way that we would harvest uh, sap for making maple syrup. So he doesn't kill the trees. And he's able to go to like really uh, <laughs> extreme lengths in order to, to actually get this sap. Uh, so it's like at the top of a mountain because that's where the most pristine trees are, apparently. I really want to go do this with him because I, I feel like that would be quite the experience. But for those of you who like sort of like really earthy wines, um, their, their retsinas are really beautiful. Um, have, you, have you had a retsina that you enjoy? You know what, though? I, I just realized that I lied to you earlier. There have been a couple Greek wines that I've had in the last couple okay. of years. Um, yeah, there's another another producer, not a pro- well, a producer, an importer that I'm friends with, and they bring in a couple pretty solid, um, fairly entry level white and red, um, but like really, really, really tasty Greeks. And I've had both of those. And then the other one that, I, yeah, Tears of the Pine. Tears of the Pine. Oh yeah, that's so good. Like, so yeah, you mentioning the Retsina is what kicked all this into gears. Like, yes, okay. So I actually have had a couple of Greek wines since the diploma. Um, and yeah. a few years ago, uh, my, my in-laws, our, our Christmas tradition is that we always do, I always organize a blind tasting for everybody. And mm-hmm. they're mostly red Ooh, wine drinkers, if not almost <laughs> exclusively. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, my, my father-in-law is big, big, big into wine. So um it's it's good time to spend the holidays for sure um but yeah so we organized this white wine tasting because they don't normally drink white wine they're almost exclusively red wine drinkers with the occasional white or rosé sparkling you know in the summer sort of thing and i did seven and i think there's about eight or nine of us who were at this tasting and at least two-thirds of everybody who was attending thought the retsino was their favorite wine whoa and was it two wine it was Tears of the Pine, yeah. And I had yeah. like Condria Vionier and like, like Poulini Mont Rocher, yeah, really good like 
yeah, like really good wines. And almost everybody liked the $40 bottle of Redsina, which was That's super amazing. kind of funny. So yeah, yeah definitely I mean, shout out to Tannen Fine Wines. They're you know, just absolutely yeah. killing it. The, uh, the Greek Tom Cruise, as, uh, yep. as he's colloquially known. Uh, yeah, absolutely amazing portfolio. Some of my favorite Greek wines for sure. Uh, and like extraordinarily knowledgeable about, about Greek wines as well. So yeah, shout out to them. If you get a chance, definitely take as many wines in their portfolio as, as humanly possible. Um, yeah, but I can, I'm trying to remember the name of that other producer, uh, Likras or Likiris or something along those lines. Anyways, they make really great stuff as well. I've seen it on the shelves at, uh, at Metro Vino, for instance. So it's, uh, it's definitely worth seeking out. Okay. I think the moral yeah, of the story is, is drink more Greek wine as a general yeah. statement not to you specifically but to, <laughs> but to people at large yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I definitely agree with that sentiment for sure i mean more than anything i think people just need to get out of their comfort zone a little bit and try try some new things because you know i can't who was it i think it was saint thomas aquinas said like those who don't those who do not travel it's like reading a book but you only read one page mm. and 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 for me it's like that's the same thing with wine. If you're only ever going to drink one style or one type or one region or whatever, you're basically only reading one page of a book. There's just, there's too much out there to not try other things. So yeah. What's your, uh, go ahead. We we all kind of have like different uh, like sales techniques or for lack of a better word. So like, what's your kind of move to uh, you know, say I'm somebody coming in and, I'm looking for, you know, uh, Argentinian Malbec for lack of a better example. Um, But I seem like I, you know, might be willing to branch out that sort of thing. Like what's your, what's your like methodology for trying to convince people to try something new that you're like, sure, they're going to like, because that's the thing. You don't want to sell somebody something that they're not going to like, but know that they're going to like something. Are you pretty confident? Like what's your, how do you ease people into it? I mean, uh, a lot of that has to do with, like just the person that you're talking to, right? You got to re- you got to read the person first and be like, are they going to be willing to try something else, right? Mm-hmm. And and if you kind of have that vibe that they're like, no, this is this is the only thing I want, then okay, you know, lost cause, just kind of got to go with it, right? But I think, I, I for me, I always like to try and ask them, like, what what if you're, if this is what you're after today, like, is there other things that you're keen on? Is there other regions you're keen on? Grape varietals, that kind of stuff. Like, even if they just want to stay in Argentina, it's like, okay, great. Let's shift it from Malbec and maybe even try a Cab Sav. I mean, Cab Sav's pretty straightforward, but Argentina is also making some pretty good Cabernet Sauvignon or something that's really starting to come up more and more into our market is Argentinian Cabernet Franc. Mm-hmm. and i've got a few of those at the store and i'm like okay if you want to try something that has some good aromatics to it has the body that you're looking for but the softer tannins malbec and cab franc tend to have a little bit softer tannins compared to like cab sav right so you know maybe try maybe try this instead right like so keep them in the same area but get them to try a different varietal right mm-hmm. so or totally. different different aging different oak different whatever it may be even just getting them to try like a Malbec that may be not at the price point they're looking for, but maybe a bit above the price point that they're looking for. Cause then they can really at least have a quality understanding of like, Oh yeah, this is what, you know, $15 will buy me, but this is what $30 will buy me. 
-hmm. right so yeah more than anything it's I always like it when people ask me what I'm excited about because that's also kind of why I I do what I do is because you know you and I we sample stuff and taste stuff all the time and we have our fingers on the pulse so to speak right so when people come to me and they're like what are you excited about i'm like a kid in a candy shop i'll i'll spend an hour with them walking through the six thousand wines we have at my location so yeah nice (laughs) cool well before we get uh too far off track we got our our second wine here um Yeah. yeah super excited about this this is again this producer has been with us almost since day one of juice imports uh so like five years now um this is dirty and rowdy uh so dirty and rowdy is uh primarily made by our friend hardy wallace um you've got like a really interesting life story that you can read about on our on our web page uh for convenience but to, to sort of jump more into the wine um this is a, a celebration of semiel a great variety that I think a lot of wine nerds really love, um, but you don't see a lot of people like just, you know, your average consumer walking into a store being like, hey, where's your semiel? Uh, you know, they, they don't really ask for it despite the fact that it is a fairly universally appealing great variety. And it has mm-hmm. a lot of the qualities that people like in other um, maybe more mainstream great varieties. So that there's no reason why it shouldn't be as popular as, as you know, other grape varieties necessarily. Uh, and this is coming from some old vines in, in Yonville and Napa. Um, so we're going to do sort of like a, a Napa side-by-side, uh, which oh, cool. is wild because, <laughs> again, as a rule, we tend to include things that are a little more off the beaten path. And not only that, but like historically, in the podcast even, I tend to shit on Napa for being like, land there is just so expensive that you can't make wine that tastes as good as it costs. Uh, Like, you know, it's not as premium flavored as it is premium priced. And I do still think that there are deals to be had in Napa. And I do think that it's a very unique part of the world and that it deserves some level of fame, probably not the level of fame that it's currently, that it currently has, especially in Alberta uh, Mm -hmm. where, you know, that's everybody's Tuesday night wine in Alberta is, is, you know, give me a bottle of Napa Cab and it's, you know, $40, $50 bottle of Napa Cab that tastes like that $25 bottle of Malbec that we were just talking about, but they want to drink from Napa because they hear it's famous Um, or they've been there on vacation or whatever, whatever the reasons are. And so I tend not to put wines from regions like that in our wine club, Uh, but we just happen to have two really, really spectacular examples that I think also show value in Napa. Again, not like value as in like, this is inexpensive and you should just be buying a case of it. Um, more value as in like, for the quality level, it is very well priced. Uh, for, and it's like, it's high quality and you know not inexpensive. Um, so yeah, Semillon fermented on skins, uh, most of this was destemmed and fermented on skins for uh, like three weeks. Uh, part of it was whole cluster um, for about two weeks. And then uh, only I think 10% of it was um, whole cluster pressed directly into to concrete. Um, so the, yeah, they call this skin and concrete, uh, which I okay. think is a great name for a wine. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I believe you've been to Napa. I feel like I remember. I actually haven't. No, I have not. Oh I'm, so I was 
the one time I was in Napa or drove through there, I was 20. Hmm. So this, this was a, this was a handful of years ago. This was in 2007. My friends and I during spring break in university decided to drive all the way down to San Diego in a week and back. And we passed through, we passed through Napa, but only one of us, only one of us was 21 at the time. Everybody else was 20 and 19. So couldn't even really, I mean, at the same time, like at that point in time, I wasn't really into wine. Like I am into wine now. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no, there's not really a loss given the circumstance, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I I have not been to to Napa. I've been to Temecula. I've spent a good (laughs) amount spent a day in Temecula tasting in Southern California, but nice. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I was sure that you had been down there, but yeah. No, sure. I, I haven't. I've been to Italy a couple times, BC a ton, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. been to Oregon. Uh, that was in 2010. I went to Oregon. So I, went, I saw a couple, couple smaller wineries there and names I don't even actually even remember anymore. Just tiny little ones that we were stopped at passing through, but yeah. Yeah. Fair. Well, as a general statement, I assume that you maybe drink uh, more wine from California than you do from Greece. Uh, <laughs> That's a fair statement. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely, definitely the case. Um, not a ton of like Napa Cab. Uh, if mm-hmm. I'm drinking from California, I'm generally going to be drinking some Pinot Noir because that's kind of where my heart's at coming from like Sonoma Coast and uh, some of the cooler climate regions out there, Monterey, Santa Lucia Highlands. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I remember a bunch of years ago, we went to Napa and uh, we, it was like sort of like a government sponsored trip. So we didn't have full say over the wineries that we went and visited. And so we got to go to Robert Mondavi, uh, <laughs> which is, again, obviously a lot of song and dance and, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to schmooze basically. Totally. And, um, but we got to try some like back vintage uh, Semillon Sauvignon Blanc blends. Um, that they had done and I think we tasted one from we tasted uh my my birth vintage uh from 1991 uh like Sauvignon Blanc Semillon blend from Robert Mondavi and I was just like this is better than anything you're currently making like this is unbelievably (laughs) good wine uh and so it's you know for a long time I've I've really felt like you know Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc in Napa make a ton of sense uh you know even more so than than i'd say like chardonnay which is again yep. perhaps more popular from, from napa yeah for sure yeah i mean the palate in alberta is still like mostly big fat wines right and chardonnay is really capable of hitting that richness cab obviously mm-hmm. as well but sem and sove i mean like when you're looking at napa as a whole chardonnay is probably number one planted white but then you have you have Sauvignon Blanc, which is very close at its heels, right? Like there's a lot of Napa Valley Sauvignon Blanc mm-hmm. and it, and generally it's pretty good. Generally it's pretty yeah. good stuff. Like you, yeah. there is some value there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you just want to drop five grand on a bottle of white wine. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't it the most expensive white wine from the new world? I think I can't think of another one that's more expensive. Uh... I got to think DRC. Montrachet is but like that's probably it yeah I don't know yeah that's actually a really good question I, I don't know I feel like maybe some of the the like Tokai 
like Ascensio. Yeah. So like maybe okay, getting up enough. there in that sort of price point. But yeah, yeah I, I have no idea what a bottle of Screaming Eagle White costs these days. It, it's more than red. It's more than the red. It's like almost oh, really? five grand a bottle. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. That's extravagant. Yeah. You can get this exactly. for substantially less than that. <laughs> like... <laughs> A hundredth of the price. Uh, yeah, exactly. One <laughs> one hundredth the price. Uh, and like probably like 99.9% the quality, uh, yep. <laughs> which is even funnier. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like on the first wine, um, the Stilisma, um, a lot of people who are new to wine would really enjoy drinking that wine because the flavors are really obvious. They're really pronounced. Right. They're really easy to pick apart. It's easy to write like a 20, like, you know, 20 sentence tasting note on that because you're like, oh, it tastes like oranges and like orange blossom and it tastes like, you know, pineapple and it tastes like this and this and this. And you could write this like shopping list versus this Semillon is, uh, again, arguably like, again, equivalent, maybe even better quality depending on, on what your definitions of those words happen to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for like your average consumer, uh, they wouldn't understand like why this is, is as special as it is. And it's really about that like nuance, that subtlety, the way that the texture is just like absolutely perfect. Um, yeah, maybe you can, you can talk us through this wine from like your tasting perspective. Yeah, I mean, initially right off, right off the hop, the nose to me is not nearly as fruit forward as, as the Malaguzia was, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's a little bit more restrained on the fruit characteristic to me. But it's it's still incredibly aromatic. Like it's got a mm -hmm. lot of like this earthy kind of like sautéed mushroom note to it. It also has this really strong beeswax character. And uh, the other thing that really jumped out to me was like uh, a, like a gouda cheese. Like it's got this cheesy Ooh. cheese rind kind of characteristic to it. But then you still get like totally. a cooked green apple. Uh, green pear as well so there is some fruit characteristic there but mm -hmm. it's 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 much more balanced compared to wine number one which was like fruit tons of fruit and this is yeah you know both earth both fruit and like some complexity not that the other one wasn't complex it's just there's yeah there's layers to this one there's layers yeah yeah the other one was more like loud and boisterous versus this is more like you know the, the quiet but like soft-spoken but hyper-intellectual kind of vibe um yeah yeah for it's me, like the word I out like, of my mouth i was gonna say cerebral like this is a very yeah. cerebral wine to me yeah right? definitely. And, and like yeah yeah this is uh yeah this is like almost what we call like a challenging wine like a wine where um you have to almost like meet it where it is it's like yeah. it's it, you know it's so poised and so graceful and so um yeah like like finely knit together that you kind of just have to rise to the occasion and really dive into this and give it you know the time that it deserves like mm -hmm. this is this is a quiet con uh contemplative wine yep. Co yep. contemplative uh yep. <laughs> um so it's like, yeah, this wine like wouldn't do super well at like a house party versus like the Malagusia. Like you can throw that, you know, I'd like crush a bottle of that at a house party and be like, yes, turn up the music versus this is more like, okay, this is going to be like me and my significant other over like a really long dinner. 
you know, Sunday yeah. night, it's a six hour dinner, uh, yep. just hanging out and like really watch this wine evolve. Um, there's also the aging potential of this wine. Uh, yep. I think that this, you know, Semillon notoriously good at aging um, and Semillon in this style, weirdly really good at aging, uh, whether that be, you know, like Hunter Valley Semillon or whether that be um, even California Sem. Like again, I talked about the one that I had from 1991 earlier yeah. uh, that was still young, so vibrant, gets this really like lanolin quality, um, almost that like fresh pressed cotton kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And this, like, again, the potential for aging is really, really great. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, this this could, I mean, a lot of whites, generally, they're meant to be drunk within, what, two years of production, generally, if not even sooner than that. But this little guy's got, like, easily five, probably ten, pretty pretty easily, I gotta think, so. Yeah. Yeah, Dirty and Rowdy's always really sneaky at being ageable. There's also only 11% alcohol. Um, which is which is crazy which is crazy yeah. for a wine of like this kind of concentration yeah it's it's yeah it's almost like still light light wine like it's a it's it's yeah. very medium minus medium in alcohol like it's it's on yeah. the lower side like how often do yeah. you see 11 percent anymore like 12 is kind of like the minimum really unless you're going for like sweet german riesling which is like eight percent but you know yeah like a dry wine at 11 percent, and they picked it perfectly so oh yeah that's the thing is like this is fully right there's no Mm -hmm. there's no question about you know this didn't need more time on the vine uh and so it just shows that depending on how you farm if you're farming for flavor more so than sugar uh you can really achieve you know these these intensity levels at uh at lower alcohol levels which is is great you know most of our portfolio there's there's way more wines under 12% alcohol in our portfolio than there are over 14% alcohol in our portfolio. Yeah. Not the case. For I most don't people. remember which one it was you tasted me on a few years ago. It like completely caught me off guard. It was a red wine, fairly pale from California, if I'm not mistaken, but it was like 9% alcohol. Yeah. It was the St. Laurent from uh forlorn hope. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was like 9.6%. Yeah. Alcohol. Yeah. And like, so first of all, you have this really weird grape varietal from like Austria in California and like, okay, that's bizarre. And then you taste me on it and the concentration of flavor was absolutely bonkers. And then you're like, oh, and it's 9% alcohol. And I was like, how is that possible? Like, how, how is that possible? How does this wine have the texture and the body that it does at 9% because alcohol really boosts the body and the, like the mouthfeel mm-hmm. of a wine. Right. So if it's low like that, you know, you, you have to pick the grapes properly. Otherwise you're not going to get that. So yeah, like these, these wizards, man, like <laughs> just in the vineyard <laughs> totally. doing their little, their little magics. It's crazy. Yeah. And like, yeah, Hardy is definitely like a little bit of a wizard. He's just like constantly wearing like tie dye and headbands and uh, listens to a lot of like Grateful Dead and uh, very eccentric you know, glasses and, and, as well. I always see those yeah, on, crazy on glasses. the yeah. Instagram page. So <laughs> yeah, um, tragically, they lost like 80% of their crop last year um, because of the fires. Um, Yikes. Basically, yeah. just like there was too much smoke taint. So they were just like, screw it. We're not either not picking or they made the wine and it wasn't good. Um, and so, yeah, the, their production is only 20% of what it was historically. Not only that, but they made like uh, <laughs> like 
four or five different rosés because they're like none of these red grapes. Like we, if we want to minimize um, the potential for smoke taint, uh, which would be on the skins of the grapes, they're yeah. like, hey, well, if we just don't use the skins, then there's less chance that we'll end up with smoke characteristics in the wine. Yeah. Uh, so I think like basically that means that we're not getting dirty and rowdy this year. Uh, oh man. Yeah. So it's like we're, we're going to have to go like a whole year without drinking dirty and rowdy, which is going to be really tragic. Like we still have some in stock and it should last us a little while. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be real sad. If we do get it, it's going to be like a couple cases. Um, but he's basically just trying to sell 100% of what he makes this year direct to consumer that he can make some money. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, I mean, so it's not like the, the situation that they had in 2017 where they made the unfamiliar. Yeah. Not quite the same. So like even more yeah. crop loss, even more. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Even worse than that, which is like, Oh my goodness. Can, can these guys just like not get a break? Oh, uh, I know. And then with like Burgundy losing somewhere between like 60 and 90% of their crop uh, because of the frost, same thing yeah. with Azura, same thing with Champagne, same thing with the Loire Valley. Uh, not only that, but nobody realizes that um, the Okanagan was down 35% in 2020. Uh, yeah. So like those are really small. Austria was down 35% in 2020. So it's like, there's yeah. going to be no wine to drink anymore. It's crazy. And, well, and yeah, exactly. And we're still in the middle of this pandemic and people are drinking more than ever. So yeah. Uh-oh. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's I mean, I'm really... sure you've noticed this too, right? Like being an importer, it's taking a lot longer than normal for wines to hit the market. Like there's been a couple producers that I put in a pre-order for that was supposed to land for Christmas and I still don't have the wines. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. We're not quite that bad, but yeah, it's definitely not great. Um, yeah. It's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I can kind of understand like, first of all, pandemic. So all that's going on. And then you have like all this crazy stuff happening with um, obviously climate change, right? Like this is what's driving yeah. these marginal regions to get hit even harder right? Like Champagne, Burgundy, they're very marginal wine growing regions. And it's, it's not great <laughs> that they're getting hit as hard as they are. But yeah, man, like that, that makes me sad because I want all the wine. <laughs> I know. That's how I feel. Too. I'm like, can we just like, can we just have all of it? Yeah. Like, can I have a hundred percent of your production? That's like, uh, the, I think the worst example of that for us is that um, Brock sellers can only give us uh, like, like compared to a normal year, like one fifth the amount of Love Red, which is our number one selling wine. Yeah, we and have so, that. We have that in our locker program right now. So, yeah, and it's oh, like man. everybody loves it, and we sell infinite of it, and they're like, "Yep, we made like one fifth of what we normally make, so you can only get like one pallet," uh, which is again it's very stressful so we bought like we basically bought all of the 2019 that we could yeah which is expensive like we, we don't have the money to just do that uh so we just had to like find the money basically yeah. uh and uh and we just bought as much as we could because we're like holy crap like we can't go like eight months without having that as our you know yeah i mean it, yeah. so that's your number one skew Probably, yeah. It's like between that and uh, like Mindclang, 
Um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, like Mind Clang Prosa is like probably close. That's Sparkling Rose. Yeah. Um, you know, Mind Clang uh, Bergamot Vice and Bergamot Rot. Again, for the price, you know, being you know under twenty five dollars on the shelf for biodynamic, perfectly made wines. Yeah. Uh, again, we we sell a boatload of those, and they're stable enough that you can do them by the glass as well. So it's like, yeah, you know, those you know boatloads again like compared to anything else we're not selling that much of it like compared yeah. to other people in the province um but for us like that's definitely huge yeah man so. that's yeah that's that's a big hit because that wine also uh, on top of you know now being a little bit less accessible is also unbelievably delicious like it's just yeah it's, it's the perfect bottle of wine for any day any occasion it's a chameleon with most foods as well which for i sure. absolutely love like yeah man oh and it's canned now right like you have the the canned loves yeah yeah we got we didn't get a lot of them unfortunately because again like production is so far down right. um yeah. but yeah the canned ones are just available exclusively in calgary through bricks uh, cool. bricks wine co so definitely worth yeah. checking them out like perfect for camping i just drank one two nights ago and nice. the 2020 vintage again they were super selective so it's primo like it's maybe the best vintage of love that we've had since I want to say the 2016. I, I'm trying to remember what the vintage was that I was just like over the moon about, but I want to say that it was 16 or 17. Okay. And this is like definitely the best vintage in, in a while, which I'm really excited about. Um, nice. But yeah. Um, and you're getting, transition. and you're getting a small quantity of it. So that's not fun for anyone. <laughs> no, exactly. So yeah, we'll, we'll just be like very secretive about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now something super special. Um, again, we really want to treat the the premium club members to sort of like the rarest stuff in our portfolio. So like the Stilisma, we only got like 60 bottles, um, somewhere around there, I believe. Um, the Dirty and Ratty uh, Skin and Concrete Semio, we only got like 60 bottles. Uh, actually, I think even less than that, maybe 48 bottles, uh, like four cases. And then this, I think we only got four or five cases of as well. So it's like, these are all super rare, and this is really, really cool wine. This is from Le Lune. Um, this is coming from Carneros, which is straddling the border between Sonoma and Napa. Um, so, you know, Carneros can both be a sub-AVA of Napa or a sub-AVA of Sonoma, uh, depending on where you fall or what your preferences are, like, when, you know, all these little rules. Um, but ultimately, it's kind of like the coolest site in both those places. Uh, Napa very famous for being quite warm and making these big bold wines but Carneros is actually most famous for sparkling wine and so this is the ultimate place to make these really elegant ethereal versions of, of what Bordeaux blends can be and this is exactly what uh, you know Merlot, Cab Franc and Cabernet Sauvignon would have tasted like back in you know 1980s Napa, uh, 1960s Napa even lower alcohol, really intensely flavored, um, still have those old world tannins. Um, this particular one has a, a little bit of brett, which I haven't really gotten off their wines before, um, but it definitely adds to that sort of like old school classic Bordeaux mantra. Um, aged two years in barrel before release, uh, maybe even a little bit longer than that, depending on the, the vintage. So 2017 is current release. Um, okay. And so, yeah, we got just enough of this wine to include in the wine club uh, because I think you guys snagged a couple cases. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, so, we pulled a couple and I think we're out. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they went yeah, really super, quick. Yeah, as they should. It's, it's honestly <laughs> such a cool wine. 
Yeah. Yeah. Want, want to run us through your uh, WSCT deployment tasting note on this? Or, uh... Yeah, totally. First, I just want to say like, whoa, like, I, yeah, it's been, I know you and I tried Leiloon a few years ago and I was Gaga for their Zinfandel. Um, mm. And I love the Chardonnay. I haven't had, I haven't had any of them for a while. Right. But when I saw that they were available to order, I was like, okay, I've just got to snag a bit of them for the locker program because they're absolutely incredible wines. So, but yeah. Okay. So let's run through the WSET tasting note. So like clear, clear, but there's like this ever so slightly murky bit of the wine. Like it's, it's not a hundred percent clear crystal, you know, there's like yeah. a touch of sterile cloudiness yeah. to it. Yeah. And then uh, like the nose is really vibrant and per uh, not quite pronounced. It's like almost at pronounced. Yeah. It does really come out of the glass. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed with it, but then it has this really strong, like, and this is, this is absolutely typical of Bordeaux is that graphite kind of characteristic to it. And this yeah. has that. And like, I don't remember the last time I smelled that on a, cab or a bordeaux blend from napa like that graphite and that's that's usually like a very gravel soil very um like more not marginalized but like softer kind of climate right because you said you alluded to it napa is really hot it's hotter in napa than it is in bordeaux so there's there is this kind of disconnect with what napa or with what cab can do in napa and what cab can do in in bordeaux not that the wines in bordeaux can't be big and powerful and strong but like they're just different i find you know from one to the other but it does really have that strong graphite characteristic there's a the little bit of that pyrazine note that green bell pepper but ever but it's not unpleasant it's just nicely herbal totally and then th there's lots of the red fruit black fruit you know you get black cherry red cherry a little bit of strawberry, a little bit of uh, like black plum on it as well. It's it's very WSET diploma tasting note Cab Merlot blend. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Like it, it ticks all the boxes right? going down it. It's yeah. very, it's it's a, well, I mean, you, you carry natural wine. It's a natural wine, but it's so true to what it should be. Yeah. And I think that that is maybe like a bit of a, downside somewhat because a lot of people kind of get scared away from natural because they might not know what that means or what that entails but this is like absolute cookie cutter what people expect when they're, they're like yeah Cab Merlot you know like that's what that should taste like it's yeah. it's outstanding like this is what, this like, is a lot of seller bottle yeah I think it's what a lot of us in the wine industry wish more wines tasted like uh <laughs> either yes it's like too on the natural side of things where it's all just funk and like those wines can be fun, but they're, they're maybe not, um, they don't tell the story of the place that they come from. Uh, they're, they're fun because they're interesting. Like maybe not even necessarily because they like taste, you know, the way that we want them to, uh, or right. you have the other end of the spectrum where it's like, they're, uh, more interested in cleanliness than they are in character. Um, and so you get these yeah. like really sterile wines that are like, sure, this is delicious, but like in the same way that like, you know, you don't want to drink like insurer for every meal, uh, <laughs> right. you know, you want something with right. some character. You're not just trying to like sustain yourself. And so yeah. I feel like that's how some of those wines are. Is they're like, okay, this is wine. If you just want wine uh, yep. versus this is like, this is wine. If like 
you know, if your heart's in it and your head's in it and it's like, it's, it's very, very special and like really, really cool model for sure. For sure. I, I mean, I completely agree with all of that. This is for me, special occasion wine. This isn't a bottle that I would just open on any kind of random day. Like I'm planning out a meal with this wine, right? I'm planning yeah. out a date with this wine. Like this is something that I'm opening for a reason, not just because I see it and I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. What would be your, your pairing with this then? I know you're like a, a, a classics kind of guy. Uh, yeah. Too, I but, mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're bang on. Like I am a very classics type of guy. I like, I like classic wine regions. I like classic dishes. I mean, for me growing up in Alberta, beef is always King, but honestly, I'm like with how elegant this is, I want something gamier. I'm thinking like bison, Mm. right? So still red meat, but not, not your steak. Like I want something that's lean, 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 because this wine is also fairly lean. It's not, big and jammy it's elegant and structured and you know i I want something that's gonna pair well with that so i would yeah yeah, i'd go bison i would go elk you know venison something along those lines Mm. like the gamier style meats and then you know all the fixings on top of that you get your red wine jus and yeah all all that kind of stuff that would be that'd be my jam in uh in my write-up for this i uh I really try and do like regional pairings as often as I can. So I'll go like super deep in the history books on like what foods come from certain places. And in the new world, it's always really interesting because obviously, you know, it's uh, like, it's a hodgepodge of basically everybody who's immigrated to California in this case uh, over the course of the last, you know, hundreds of years. Um, And so for me, the pairing that I wrote for this is a patty melt, which was invented oh, yeah. in California. Uh, and I went down like this huge spiral of like geeking out about like the history of the patty melt uh, and about how it should be paid, paired with Monterey Jack cheese, like on the patty melt, which is also a cheese like devised in California. Um, yeah. And so by this guy named Jack from Monterey, like legitimately, uh, <laughs> it's like the late 1800s. Anyway, so I geeked out super hard about that and like how Thousand Island dressing is like really underrated and all these sort of things. And so it's, uh, yeah, that's that, that was my pairing for this. Um, I was like a really, I'm always a really big fan of like lowbrow, highbrow. And so, Fair. you know, this being like just such like a sublime wine, uh, I feel like it, it kind of almost deserves like a greasy, like kind of diner patty melt with it, but. Yeah, I can I can get yeah. on board with that for sure. I can like, definitely uh, get on board with that. Yeah, it's like that scene in uh, that wine movie where he where he has like the Big Mac with his uh, oh sideways. Yeah, sh- with That's, his like it's sideways. Cheval Blanc or something. Yeah, yeah. The, the movie that ruined Merlot, you know, totally. and somehow and somehow he's drinking a Merlot based wine at the end of the movie yeah. with with a burger <laughs> from like In and Out or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. So then, yeah. okay, so I guess while we're on that topic, what are your thoughts on Merlot? Because this is uh, predominantly Merlot, I believe. Yeah, you know, least, you know I what? Think it like, might be 50-50. Yeah, 50% Merlot, 50% Cabernet Sauvignon. I think Merlot gets a bad rap, like a mm. really bad rap. It is like some of the most expensive wines in the world are made with Merlot, right? You know, you look at Chateau Petrus, you look at Cheval Blanc, you look at like Angelus and pa- anything from Pomerol, right? Like, like these wines can command like incredible prices and they're just as age worthy if not a little bit more 
a little bit more elegant than anything that, that comes from you know Cabernet dominance, right? Like there's something to be said about Merlot. And I think, you know, it's funny because I've watched Sideways probably about 10 times over the course of my life. And I always come back to the fact that I think his little diatribe against Merlot is him secretly letting on to the fact that he is a Merlot lover. Even though he talks about Pinot Noir the whole movie, I have this theory that he, you know, he secretly really likes Merlot. And by telling more people that, you know, fuck Merlot, I don't want it. (laughs) He's like, yes, there's going to be more for me. That's my thought. Because his big crowning bottle that he has in his collection is a right bank Bordeaux wine, which is Merlot dominant. So my my understanding is that, uh, like, if you read into it, apparently, like, the the reason, it's not that he doesn't like Merlot, it's that Merlot reminds him of his ex-wife. Something like oh, that. I haven't watched it in a while, but I thought that that was the association. Was that like, yeah? He, you know what? Like, I, I'm gonna have to rewatch it with fresh eyes because I, I know, never right? Put that together. Yeah. So apparently, but, uh, like that's that's the actual meaning of that. Is not that he doesn't like Merlot because obviously any like self-respecting wine it. geek. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So it's, uh, oh, yeah, also it's, makes sense because like the Cheval Blanc is supposed to be for their like 10 year anniversary or whatever. Right? Oh my God. Right. It just shattered my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've done this to somebody else on the podcast before because we eventually always end up talking about sideways. Like, like <laughs> it's just guaranteed. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know how it know. can't come up, right? Like it's such an iconic wine movie. It just makes sense. So Totally. Yeah, but I mean, Merlot gets a bad rap. I mean, you can get a lot of really good quality Merlot. It's generally not going to be as expensive as Cab, but it drinks fairly similarly. And Cabernet is, again, like I keep I keep coming back to Cab, but that's because it's the most popular wine in the Alberta market. Yeah. Consumer statistics, right? Like most people want a big, bold Cabernet Sauvignon or Cabernet Sauvignon dominant mm-hmm. wine, right? So again, that's not what I drink. I, I like I can't remember the last time I just opened a bottle of Cabernet. I drink a lot of European stuff, generally Italian stuff. Um, and if I'm not doing that, I'm drinking Pinot Noir usually or champagne because, you know, need, need some of that in my life right now. Yeah, because we should all drink more champagne. For sure. <laughs> we should all drink more champagne. The wallet hurts after that. But yeah, I yeah. mean, Merlot is, is, it gets a bad rap. It's underrated. It, it is capable of making some of the best wine on the planet if treated correctly. Right. And, and it's usually not as expensive as it's, it's a cousin or sibling, you know, caps have. So. Yeah, for sure. And it's more approachable in youth, I would say as well. Totally. Totally. It's, it's very pleasurable kind of for anything. And it can, again, it pairs with a lot of different dishes. It's just like a nice, it's a nice everyday kind of wine. So yeah. Cool. It's my my uh, way of saying Laloon Merlot 50-50 is like, yes, you should, you should drink more Merlot. (laughs) Yeah. This is an astounding, astounding wine. I'm super excited that I got to drink some, frankly. Uh, (laughs) um, Before we let you go, maybe, uh, maybe I'll uh, close that with asking you, um, you know, what, what are you, what are you drinking these days? What are you excited about? Like if you, if you had to recommend like three wines, any price point, any style, because our listeners tend to be you know, all, all yeah. four of them uh, tend to be quite diverse in their uh, yeah. drinking. So I feel like you can recommend anything that you're actually excited about and they'll go maybe. Totally, get out totally. I mean, the last few years, uh, we've seen some incredible vintages coming out of, 
a few different regions. Um, I mean, for me, again, coming back to the fact that I drink a lot of Italian wine, 15, 16 Brunellos are just off the charts good, <laughs> right? So you're looking at wines that are good now after you decant them four times and let it sit for two hours. But, you know, these wines are also very reasonable if you want to build a bit of a cellar, right? You know, you have a wine that can age until 2040, 2045, and, you know, they're 70 to $80 generally, which is not crazy. Unlike a lot of Bordeaux prices nowadays, which are like $200, $300 a bottle for, you know, your mid-tier class growths. Um, so Brunellos have been Brunellos and Barolos really 15, 16 Brunellos, Barolos have been big on my, what I've been adding to my cellar lately. Um, what I've been drinking a lot of as well is, um, a lot of Oregon Pinot Noir because it drinks way above the price point that you're paying for it. Generally it, you know, I, I would say that the $40 you're going to spend on a bottle of Pinot Noir from Oregon is going to kick the crap out of anything from Burgundy around the same price obviously. Mm -hmm. So Oregon Pinot is always up there for me. And I mean, I'm a, I'm an absolute Riesling fanatic. Yeah. So anytime I can find a new Riesling that I haven't tried before, uh, you know, German, Austrian, Californian, Canadian, Canadian BC is making some absolutely amazing Riesling right now as well, you know, and, and they're not crazy expensive. I mean, some of the stuff, you know, you're getting a lot more dry expressions, especially from Germany right now. There's a big shift towards less sweet Riesling and more dry Riesling. And, you know, there's a few that come in around $20 on the shelf, like Wittmann, 100 Hills, Riesling, Trocken, biodynamic wine producer, and it's $20.89, you know? It, yeah. It, it's, so there's this nice shift away from this perception of Riesling just being this sweet grandmother's kind of wine. I mean, I feel like you're on the same page with me with Riesling, right? Like almost every Psalm is, it's oh, yeah. just like one of those things that is so underappreciated and in a weird way, we want it to remain underappreciated because then it's accessible for us. So yeah. But I mean, those are kind of, those are kind of like my everyday things, Oregon, Pinot. I, I love my Barolos and my Brunellos. Um, I don't buy those or drink those as frequently because again, like still 70 bucks a bottle is not like an everyday thing. Um, same with, same with some of the Oregon Pinot, but you know, like it's, I, and for me, honestly, like my biggest thing is I rarely will buy the same bottle of wine twice. Like super rarely. I, I like, I will, unless it's something that really blew me away or something that I'm like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I want to see how it evolves and I'll buy another bottle or two and sell them. Yeah. I just, I need to try everything that I see. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always looking for something new, something exciting. And that, I, I think that that's what your portfolio really brings to the Alberta market is like something new. Like there's a bunch of young producers that you represent um, and they have great ideas as to where the wine world should kind of go back to, not move forward from, you know, because the, the style of wine that they're making is really a callback to how wine was made pre-technology really it's very hands-off you know it's very very like do it by feel as opposed to by the numbers you don't want to oh you know we're at 32 bricks so it's time to pick like no there's there's no romance in that you know it's it's a very eloquent thing to see what you and mark are doing and what you're bringing into the market it's super appreciated you know because we want we want 
some diversity and we want some uniqueness and we just need that to happen because that's what's going to keep people interested so yeah especially our generation i mean we're not very old to be doing what we're doing and the fact that you and i both have our wset diploma and we're both under 35 is kind of crazy you know like most of the people totally. in our class were quite a bit older i would say on yeah. average so yeah yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I was the youngest other than uh sebastian yeah yeah he i think he was the youngest and he was 21 at the time and i think you were 24 when we started yeah uh, yeah like 2015 right yeah 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 so you know yeah yeah <laughs> math <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's 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 one of these things where like we want new and exciting and unique and different and that's where you and mark are really killing it so kudos to you guys i love it <laughs> yeah hey thank you we we appreciate it it's uh yeah we have like more than 400 wines in the portfolio uh, which is, again, that, that makes us look like a really big importing agency from the, the amount of SKUs that we have. Uh, yeah. But ultimately we get like somewhere between 30 and 60 bottles of 90% of that. Uh, yeah. So it's, yep. you know, it ends up being small volume, but like lots of different stuff. So it's, it's a ton of work and most people are just like, not unwilling to put in the work, but unwilling to put in that type of work. They'd rather put in work like selling Versus me, I, I have absolutely no desire to sell. <laughs> like, I'm not like, yep. you know, trying to force people to buy wine that they don't want. And like, that's not really my shtick or being like, yeah. hey, like, we'll buy you a television if you buy a pallet of this wine or like, you know, yep. de dealing like that. That's not where I want to put in the work. And like, that's not to say that that isn't super hard to do. It's just like, I would rather focus on product knowledge and on, you know, just really understanding the producers we work with and, and yep you know, just finding stuff that's really unique. And so it means that we have to spend a heck of a lot of time even just updating the website and the portfolio, frankly. Uh, it's like, the yeah, I can't imagine I spend writing wine notes every week is like, yep. you know, I, I can't imagine. Job. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've spent my fair share of time writing wine notes for the, uh, for our locker program as well. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot. It yeah. takes a lot of time and effort because you have to, Research the producer, research the region, research the grape varietals, research the vintage, research everything about the wine, and then give all the yeah. specs how long you think it's going to sell her. Like it, it takes a good amount of time to do. It's a lot of yeah. work. And if, if, like you, you have 400 SKUs, but you're only getting like, you know, six six packs of 36 bottles, and then it's gone like that because. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we make like, you know, $300 off of like the entirety of those sales. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yet I have to put just as much work into it as somebody who's selling, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of the same wine, uh, yep. which is really funny. But yeah, yeah whatever. It works for us. And we like doing it. So keep doing it. Uh, cool. Well, I won't hold you up too much longer. I, I know you got the uh, the fam to get back to, and you've had yeah, a long man. day at work. But I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to uh, to come hang out and, and give us your opinions on the wines and you know help yeah, offer a different you. perspective. So. Um, yeah thanks for having me it's uh yeah, it's, hey. it's an absolute pleasure so yeah well it was nice finally getting a chance to catch up as well again like we were talking about earlier it's been a substantial amount of time since we've actually gotten to hang out and although this may not yep. be face to face it's uh you know it's, it's better than you know not seeing you uh <laughs> yeah yeah exactly for sure Exactly. Yeah. I mean, luckily nowadays with social media it still feels like you can still kind of know what other people are doing right yeah but 
you know, it, it's different. And, you know, honestly, when this is over, I'm really looking forward to just like sitting down with some friends and just enjoying like 10 bottles of wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it needs to happen. It just needs to happen. I'm, yeah. I'm so tired. <laughs> well, it's coming up quick. You got vaccinated earlier this week or last week? Uh, uh, yeah, a week ago, last Friday. So, yeah. So, yeah, so. I got mine uh, yesterday. So in, in no time, we will be uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be hanging out like normal normal folks again. So. Yeah, hopefully so anyway awesome uh yeah if anybody has any questions about any of the wines in today's uh podcast feel free to send me an email my email address is eric e-r-i-k at juiceimports.com uh feel free to you know harass us on instagram or uh you know however you want to get in contact with us we'd love to hear from you and hear what you uh think about the wines and we'll talk to you again next month thanks so much yeah Take thanks care. for having me yeah.